This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Over 2.9 million people are self-employed in Canada, according to StatsCan. Starting a business could be a little easier in the digital age. You still need a lot of things to get your company off the ground, including money, financing, dinero, cash. So what's that like? Kelly Braun Johnson has some experience with this. Kelly is the founder of Completely Inclusive. Hey, Kelly, good morning. Nice to chat with you today. Hi, good morning, Dave. So, Kelly, let's start with the general. What's it like trying to get a business financed? So, in my experience, um, you know, traditional funding pathways have been very, very difficult for me. Um, I think specifically because I it was such a foreign concept to me. I wasn't raised um, to be an entrepreneur. There's no entrepreneurs in my family. Um, I didn't come from any money or wealth at all. So um, the act of writing a business plan and uh, creating financials and using spreadsheets and all that is completely foreign to me. So I needed a lot of help. It's something that I needed a lot of guidance in and and support. Um, And so there's, of course, there's the traditional methods of uh, applying to a bank and getting a loan or um, or then there's using venture capital, um, but I never really fit into that world either. Um, I've only run businesses that are service-based, and I find that venture capitalists are more interested in a product-based mm. um, sort of business, and unless you're creating something like an app. Um, so I don't really fit into any of those uh, categories. Yeah, the traditional pillars of financing. The other side of this, Kelly, is that in the last 18 months with the interest rate propositions changing. How has that change in economic landscape impacted the ability for anybody to get financing? So I think in general, everybody is struggling um, all over. So businesses are steady, are struggling. Um, all of the economy is struggling with this infl- inflation. Um, for me, I was never comfortable with really wanting to go into debt. Um, even though they say, you know, some debt is good. You know, they have these different sayings and things, but that was not something that... Um, I wanted for my own business. Um, and I think that in general, banks are being more choosy. Venture capitalists are being much more choosy about um, who and what they fund. Um, some of the awards and grants that are available, they've been kind of either very restricted in who they're giving them to or the amounts of the awards are being reduced greatly. Um, I'm seeing that a lot where, um, again, those kind of grants that normally used to be, let's say, 15000 are now kind of being reduced to 9000 or mm. um, and you're still going through the same process of trying to apply, but you're getting less money for it. Um, and that's totally the right. Like, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining about those things. It's just it's just the reality that we're living in right now. Yeah, it's it's just the real world. It, like, like it's it's it, it's it's not great, but it's 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 the real world. And that's and that's just the way these things go. Uh, Kelly, I also think about the, the way in which maybe in the last decade, people were picking up financing through things like a Kickstarter or other crowdfunding because of the saturation in that space. What was a pretty interesting incubator or, or interesting opportunity for people in the digital world, even that's drying up a little bit too. Yes. And 
uh, you know, some of the different controversies that have gone in with those kind of funding methods uh, where people weren't getting the money that they, you know, they said they were going to, or they're funding certain things that people have ethical issues with. So I think that whole method of funding worked really great for a short period of time. And now it's, it's like you said, it's kind of saturated. It's, it has not necessarily the best reputation. Yeah. Self-employment for people with disabilities is oftentimes touted as a solution to the overall employment issue facing people with disabilities. Rabia Khader of Disability Without Poverty came on the show a few months ago and made made that case, said starting your own business is a really great idea if, if you've got something there and you want to do it. But if you applied the funding picture or the incubation picture for persons with disabilities when it comes to becoming an entrepreneur, what's what's unique about that situation for people with disabilities? So there are some um, associations, some nonprofits that are devoted to funding uh, specifically disability-led businesses. Um, I think what's unique is that when we go to banks, um, if we are receiving uh, any sort of tax credits or if we're receiving any sort of disability uh, benefits, the bank doesn't see that as a consistent income, even though it is a consistent income. Um, they don't um, want to accept that as um, part of your whole finance package. Um, so it makes it look like there's a huge gap in, in your application. Um, and of course, we can still apply for um, for regular types of traditional funding, of course. But I find that, um, you know, in traditional funding, you need a good social network. And people with disabilities tend to have kind of smaller social networks. Um, and there's also that saying when they say, you know, deals are made on the golf course or deals are made at the lunch table. And, yeah. and, and that's not something that I can do. <laughs> I can't play golf. <laughs> um, <laughs> And and you know trying to go and wine and dine somebody at a meal is is also not really um, feasible or accessible to me. So uh, I think a lot of those opportunities we're we're missing out. We're not it's just not accessible to us. So we're not uh, getting those kind of insider networking opportunities for funding either. What to get a little bit more into the abstract? What's the parallel you draw between support for people with disabilities starting disability-led businesses and the way workers with disabilities are viewed more generally? So I've seen that you know we're often underemployed, even if we are employed at all, um, and so there's this this um, lack of value placed on our work on our labor. Um, and businesses with uh, that are disability-led are often uh, undervalued and underestimated. And I can't tell you the number of times, uh, especially at the beginning when I when I started this business, uh, when I would tell people what I was doing, automatically, automatically, they assumed that it was a nonprofit. Um, and it's just because, hey, if a person with disability is running it, that must mean it's a nonprofit. Like, of course, we can't make money. Um, and so. It's it's that underestimation of what we can do, of the value of what we can bring. Um, I think people are then hesitant to invest in us because they just don't see us as capable of making money. Um, and that that's similar in the workplace where we're not treated um, as if we have the same capacity to uh, provide worth. We're not, in some cases, in sheltered workshops that still exist and are still legal in Canada where we're not even paid for our work at all. Um, and I just looked it up just before um, coming on today. You know, the average wage for a person with a disability in Canada is just over thirty-two thousand, 
which is about 16, 15 hour. That's just about a dollar more than the minimum wage here in Quebec. Um, we're still making 79 cents to, I guess the average person's dollar, I guess the yeah, yeah. man, you know, so like, um, there's a lot of work to, there's a lot to go. Like we, we, we have to do a lot of work to kind of, um, bring up our impression, our, our, the way that we are observed, the way that we're treated in, in the workplace and in business. Kelly, if I wanted to end this on a little bit of optimism, though, it does feel like the sands are shifting a little bit. I know uh, Invest Ottawa, for example, has uh, workshops and groups and support groups for entrepreneurs with disabilities specifically. There's organizations that are doing entrepreneurial training for kids with disabilities. So it does at least feel like the sands are shifting. And in the digital age, I'll go back to this digital age concept, it, it in theory, in prospect, can be easier to do some of that startup work at a slightly lower cost than it used to. I'm not saying that anything's been accomplished here, but it does at least feel like there's a shift in the sands. No, absolutely. And that's a that's a way that we can reach out to not just mentorship, but reaching out to people with expertise that want to join on our team to partner with, um, that can provide the the supports and the services that we need to to make an amazing company. So there you go. Optimism at, the end. Optimism at the end. I like that. Hey, Kelly, thank you for this. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. That's Kelly Braun Johnson, founder of Completely Inclusive. In 60 seconds, Elizabeth Moeller has the weather story of the day. But first, here is Canadian press reporter Rob Westgate with your morning business minutes. Bay Street ended last Friday on an up note lifted by the technology, utilities and financial sectors. Toronto's S&P TSX gained 150 points to close at 20,907. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average also enjoyed a positive close last week, gaining 395 points to settle at 37,864. As for the Nasdaq, it rose 255 points to 15,311. Two of the major Asian markets were heading in different directions this morning. Japan's Nikkei finishing up 584 points at 36,547. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong, it closed down 348 points at 14,900. And 61. Drought on the prairies is raising the risk that farmers' valuable topsoil will go blowing in the wind. And Cineplex and the Competition Bureau will meet this Tuesday to discuss online booking fees. As for the loony, it's trading at 74.47 cents US. From the Canadian Press Business Desk, I'm Rob Westgate. Oh yes, online booking fees for the privilege of using your app, which is pretty much the only way to buy a movie ticket. It's now two dollars or a buck fifty. It's uh, it's a lot of cash. And then if you go to the self serve kiosk, you get you get charged for doing that too. Uh, oh boy, oh boy. Okay, let's bring in Elizabeth Moeller for the uh, weather story of the day. Elizabeth, slippery and sloppery around the GTA in southern Ontario. Slippery and slidey indeed. So South, uh, Southern Ontario is about to get a little bit warmer, but first we're going to have to deal with some slippery, slidey, sloppy conditions, going for some alliteration there. There are a couple of systems that are going to be coming our way that are going to bring some bursts of snow, which is going to make travel just that little bit trickier today and Tuesday. So even though that nicer weather is on the horizon, a cold front from the northern prairies will slow down that warm-up for us. And this means that we're going to see some 
some snowfall at the beginning of this week, which is going to cause some potential travel issues. Monday and Tuesday in particular are days that we want to be cautious of as these systems are going to bring a couple of rounds of snow to us. Tuesday snowfall looks a little bit more serious with the potential for 5 to 10 centimeters of snow across the region including the greater Toronto area. And although it's going to be milder, there is a disturbance from the southwest bringing periods of light snow throughout the day. Lake Huron is going to see up to five centimeters of snow. And with those temperatures hovering near freezing, the snow will be wet and this will impact travel. But I will say, Dave, although I'm glad for these warmer temperatures, five to ten centimeters, I spent a lot of time in London, Ontario, where it's very snowy a lot of the time. I think I can manage five to ten centimeters of snow. <laughs> No, what are you thinking? Yeah, don't don't make me do my usual thing where I dump on Torontonians for being soft. Oh, but, okay. uh, but yeah, right. Torontonians are soft. <laughs> Elizabeth, thank you for this. You're welcome, Dave. That's Elizabeth Moeller with the weather story of the day. Coming up after the break, Society of the Snow is about the 1972 Andes flight disaster. You may recall it being depicted in the movie Alive. Well, this one's a new take on it. Amy Amanti will review the film. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.